0: I'd like to ask you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Revelation chapter 12 this morning. Revelation chapter 12, our text is the first six verses of chapter 12, although we will read together um, at, here at the beginning all 17 verses of this chapter. So we'll be hitting on some of those um, as we go through the message. Just a um, tip of the hat to you before we read chapter 12. As we get down to verse number five, as we'll see in the message, um, a lot of revelation speaks of one thing, then speaks of that same thing from a different angle, a different perspective. And so uh, verse number five uh, is going to be expounded upon in verse seven to 12. Verse number six is going to be that concept expounded upon in verse 13 to 17. So uh, with that maybe in your mind, um, let's read from uh, the book of Revelation, the word of the Lord. Uh, just like to ask that you would stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word if you are able this morning. Revelation chapter 12, let's begin in verse number 1. John is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, and he says this, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head's seven diadems." His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them on the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where... She has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan For they love not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the the dragon had poured from his mouth." Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your revealed word to us. Father, we thank you that your word speaks truth to us. Your word interprets truth. Reality Your word speaks clearly of what is truly taking place, not only in this world, but in the heavenly realm as well. Your word speaks about the future, of Christ, of Satan, of your people, of the victory that we have in Christ and have overcome through the blood of the Savior. Father, we pray this morning that these truths would wash over us this morning, that they would encourage the believer here this day. Lord, allow your your word to be food for us, spiritual food to strengthen us, to nourish us, to help us walk in obedience to you. Father, we pray this morning that If there's someone who is not trusting in Christ, not having their sins forgiven, that your word would open their eyes this morning, that they would see their need of Jesus and believe in your promises to save. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. We may be seated. Today we come to the second part of our two-part Advent series. Uh, Last week, Adam opened up the word of God to us from Genesis chapter 3 and showing that the Christmas story uh, didn't necessarily begin in a manger, but it began in a garden. The fall of mankind into sin was the context of God's first promising to send a Savior into the world, an offspring of the woman to save mankind. And today, we continue the theme of Advent from Revelation chapter 12, a very traditional Advent passage. Just kidding. What we're going to see today is the Advent in the context of cosmic warfare. This text speaks about our Savior's coming to earth and about what His coming to earth has accomplished, also about how His coming gives us hope in this fallen world. So this this text is going to speak about realities that we would not necessarily otherwise know if it was not for God's Word speaking them to us, which is the case for uh, almost everything in God's Word, right? is revealed truth to us that speaks reality about what is true, what is false, what is happening. The main point of chapter 12 is to show how God has brought about victory through the death and resurrection of Jesus and how his advent brings about our protection. John, the author, seeks to encourage encourages readers to persevere in the faith, to continue believing despite persecutions in this life, despite difficulties, trials, tribulations in this life, to persevere because of the advent of Jesus Christ. Of course, as we jump right into the scripture reading, uh, we're kind of smacked in the face with this highly stylized, symbolic, apocalyptic language of the book of Revelation. Revelation speaks in signs and symbols. It might be surprising to you, but this genre is not to confuse or to conceal truth. In fact, it is written to do just the opposite. The word apocalypse is a transliteration of the Greek word, which means to reveal, to unveil, to make fully known. That's what the word means. It's the first word in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1, translated as revelation from where we get the name of the book. So the imagery that we're going to look at this morning is not meant to confuse us or conceal something, just the opposite is what is happening. And I think as we look to our Old Testaments in particular to help us understand uh, the meaning and what is happening behind these imageries, I think it will become clear to us as we walk through this. The imagery that we see in chapter 12 is somewhat clear. Some of the things are less clear. I'll just caveat that. Images that we see in chapter 12, we have a woman clothed with the sun. We have a powerful red dragon awaiting to eat this soon-to-be-born child. We have a wilderness. We have 1260 days. In all of these things, God is communicating some very grand truths about His act of redemption and about how His people are to follow after Him. Him. So we're going to see four key themes that emerge in these first six verses. Okay? So a, a grand picture, a picture of the storyline of the Bible, a storyline of history, and a storyline of the future. We're going to see this is kind of a cosmic, Perspective on events. And there's four key themes that emerge in these verses. The first theme is that of fulfillment. Fulfillment. Point number one fulfillment. We see that in verses one and two. Here we encounter this first sign that appeared in heaven. It is a woman clothed, as it says in verse number one, clothed with the sun. With the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth." Now at first blush, we read about this woman who is pregnant and later to give birth to a son who uh, rules with a rod of iron. And if this was a fill-in-the-blank test and we said, who is this referring to, maybe many of us would say, well, this seems to be uh, very much referring to Mary, Mary, uh, the mother who is pregnant and giving birth, the mother of our Lord. But that's not specifically who John is pointing us to in these verses. The text describes this woman with imagery from the Old Testament, imagery that clues us in to who John is describing. It says, she is clothed with the sun, mooned under her feet, on her head, a crown of 12 stars. What John is doing here is he's telling us that this woman is a picture of faithful Israel. Basically, we could say the Old Testament community before the coming of Christ, being clothed with the sun is an a, a, a image of the reflected glory of God. The reference to the moon under the feet and 12 stars uh, was used in the Old Testament to represent Jacob and his wife and the 11 tribes of Israel who would bow down to Joseph who would represent the 12th tribe. Just listen to the same language from Genesis 37, verse number 9, which states, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. So this language is language of Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel, the people of God, the old covenant people referred to as a woman, so collectively giving birth. Mary, of course, would be included in this, but the primary focus is not on an individual, but the community of faithful believers. This truth is fleshed out and evident in the rest of the chapter. As we see the woman then being persecuted, she flees to the wilderness. She has other offspring who are described as faithful Christians, i.e., like new covenant believers in Jesus. And verse 2 states that she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. So, we have this picture of Israel, the faithful covenant people of God leading up to this time period, and she's described as crying out in birth pains, agony. Those words there of of crying out birth pains and agony are used in the New Testament and other places to refer to trials, persecutions that believers face and go through. So basically, what is being described is the whole Old Testament period. The pregnancy period is from Genesis to the time of the birth of Christ, we could say. Here's a quote. One commentator puts it like this. From the expulsion from Eden, God's people have been an expectant mother awaiting the birth of the seed who would champion their cause against Satan, the liar, accuser, and murderer. This takes us back to the garden when the fall and descend occurred, as we saw last week in Genesis 3.15, that great promise where it says there, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel." From the time of Eve, even her giving birth to her firstborn son, where she proclaimed and giving birth, she said, I have gotten a man for the Lord, meaning in her mind, here is the promised seed, here is the one that will bring victory over the serpent. As we know, that's not exactly how it worked out with these first two born brothers. Abel was murdered by his brother Cain, and the whole Old Testament is a history of expectancy. Awaiting the promised seed to come, trials and persecutions. But when the fullness of time had come, Israel is ready to bring about the fulfillment of the promise through the birth of Jesus. Just think about all of the events of the old covenant of the ups and downs in the Old Testament. God was preserving a people. It was through suffering. It was through trials. It was through difficulty that the offspring, the promised seed would come. And John gives us this picture as if Israel itself as a group of people were pregnant, awaiting the arrival of the promised Messiah, the promised seed who would crush the head of the serpent. And so, right off the bat, we see in this passage John pointing his finger to this reality that God keeps his promises the promise of fulfillment, the promise to bring about the seed. The one who would crush the head of the serpent right here, John, in this passage, begins with that. God is a God who makes His promises. God is a God who keeps His promises. This is such a comfort for us. God doesn't change. God doesn't make a promise one day and then go back and alter His promise the next day. This is reason 5,249 in the Scriptures that we are to believe in the promises of God because He always keeps His Word. From the beginning of Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation, here is just another example right here. God has promised to send about His Savior, the offspring of the woman, and here we are in Revelation chapter 12 reading about that very fact coming about although it's in this highly stylized language that we're uh, not as comfortable with because quite frankly, we don't uh, uh, deal with this type of language that much right now. Most of us don't probably read in this type of genre. This was very normal, very clear to readers in the New Testament speaking in this way. And so, John here, in writing about this, what he saw in heaven, clearly teaches us that God fulfills his word. He sent the woman who was going to give birth to our Savior. So it's a picture where God keeps his promises. It's a concept of fulfillment. The next theme that we see arise in this is that of opposition in verses 3 and 4. This scene in Revelation is... Quite disturbing, if we're honest. Here we have the second sign in verse number three. It says, another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head, seven diadems. This great, it's great in the sense of huge and powerful. There's a red dragon referring to opposition to the things of God. And as verse 9 makes abundantly clear, it is speaking about Satan, the ancient serpent, the deceiver, the devil. The seven heads represent completeness. Ten horns represent power, might. Seven diadems speak of the devil's claim to sovereignty and authority. This is all kind of biblical imagery that is pointing to this fact. The color red is the color of war, of blood, of oppression. As we know, and as we'll see in the following verses, namely verse number 12, the devil is a defeated foe, but he is a mighty foe nonetheless. And we see that might on display in verse number four. Look at the first part. It says, His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. So we see this tail sweeping down stars from heaven to earth. Now, interpreters, as you can imagine, vary on what this is referring to. Some say it is speaking about Satan's fall from heaven, which happened before creation, and of the fallen angels that uh, went with him, that went with the devil. Uh, others, and I think this is the right view, understand this to refer to Satan attacking God's people. Who are represented as an angelic host in heaven. The background to this is Daniel chapter 8, verse 10 and 12. And while, it, uh, of course, it is true that Satan fell from heaven and he took down uh, demons with him from heaven, it doesn't seem like that that's what John is referring to here. But what is clear is the power and might of the devil. What is clear is being spoken here about the might of the dragon. What is clear is his opposition to God, the things of God, and the people of God. Verse verse 4 shows his opposition to the promised seed. We see that in the second part. It says, and the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. The desire of the dragon is to kill the promised seed, to destroy the promised Savior, This has been true all throughout her pregnancy, as we mentioned, Cain and Abel above. Why is it that a brother murdered another brother who made an offering that was pleasing to the Lord? What we see in here is it's this concept of this concept of a cosmic battle that was taking place. The coming birth and fulfillment of God's promises from Genesis chapter 3 has been brought about through trial and tribulation. The birth pangs, this imagery that's being used here, not literally speaking of the birth pains per se, but speaking about the trials and tribulations coming with the promised Savior Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament, we see this dragon seeking to devour the people of God. Think about the Hebrew midwives who were instructed by the king of Egypt to kill the newborn Hebrew children in Exodus chapter 1. Think about King Saul hurling a spear trying to kill David. Think about Haman plotting to annihilate the Jewish people living in Persia in the book of Esther. And of course, as we get down to the time period of the New Testament, think of Herod in Matthew chapter 2, killing all the male children under two in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region. Was that just because Herod is a uh, a power-hungry king? who is seeking to kill others so that he himself can be king. Is that the only thing going on there? No, what Revelation is saying, there is more going on for that. The devil is at work. The devil has been seeking to devour the one who is to come, the promised Savior, Jesus. Satan has been standing ready, waiting to devour the offspring of Israel since the promise that was made in Genesis 3.15. It's this imagery of him waiting to receive the child and kill the child. His opposition is real. The cosmic battle is a lens that we must read our Old Testaments with, knowing that Satan is opposed to the people of God and the things of God. We see this concept of opposition. Third concept that we see is that of victory, verse number five. Victory, verse number five. This is one of those texts in the New Testament that sum up all of Jesus' life and ministry in a few short words. It's a snapshot of Jesus' entire ministry on earth given in one line. It says there in verse number five, the first part, she gave birth to a male child. So here it is. We have the red dragon the great powerful red dragon, awaiting the birth of the child and the child is born. The time of culmination had come for God's people Israel. The time was at hand. The promise of Genesis 3.15 was here and Jesus was born. She gave birth to a male child. Of course, the tip of the spear, we can say, of course, is Mary. That's through whom Christ came. But again, the picture is bigger. We're speaking here about the whole Old Covenant. We're speaking about the whole Old Testament. It says of Him, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. As we know from our Old Testament, this is a straight reference from Psalm 2 of the rule and the coming reign of the Savior, as Jesus inaugurated the rule of the kingdom of God in his person and work that he fulfilled on this earth. And the verse concludes with, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Now, that is the brief, succinct statement that speaks about Christ's virgin conception, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and his ascension into heaven. All is spoken in that thought, that concept there. He was born and caught up to heaven. What John is emphasizing here in this passage is that the dragon was not successful. The dragon is waiting, right? The rest of the New Testament here in, in, in this book and even in this chapter are going to speak about what it was that this coming child Uh, brought about the salvation that He brings. But right here, what John is saying, look, the child was born and caught up to heaven. The dragon was there waiting to consume, but did not consume. The dragon was waiting to devour the child when the fullness of time had come to bring forth the king. But the dragon's mission to kill and devour, Jesus, has been thwarted. Jesus is victorious. He is triumphant. He has conquered. But her child was called up to God and to His throne. Again in typical Revelation parallel fashion, the events of this verse are repeated but from a different and expanded perspective in verses 7 to 9 and verses 10 and 12. So verse number 5, expanded. Perspective that—that that is, revelation often tells the same event, but from multiple times and from different perspectives. The fancy word for this is called recapitulation. We see this—we see this happening from this side. Then we look on another side. It's speaking about the same events from a different perspective. Here's what happened with the dragon. The dragon uh, was there. The baby was born. and caught up into heaven. All right. Now what? What? What else might be said about that from a heavenly perspective? That's what verse number 7 jumps into. Look at it there. It says, "'Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon.'" And the dragon, as his angels, fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. This, this is speaking of the cosmic battle, a picture of what was taking place during Jesus' ministry. Probably specifically, I mean very much so, speaking about what is taking place when Christ was being crucified on the cross. Even during His ministry, you remember in the Gospel of Luke, it spoke about this reality when the 72 disciples were being sent out by Jesus. You remember what what Jesus said there? It says, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And He said to them, that is, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And we read about that in the Gospel of Luke, and you're like, well, that's an odd statement. Jesus makes lots of odd statements we don't necessarily understand, so we just move on. Right? But here in Revelation, I think what we're seeing is this picture of we see a cosmic battle and Jesus seeing what was taking place. say, hey, the disciples are out there casting out demons, they're being victorious through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I saw, I saw Satan falling like uh, lightning from heaven, speaking about this reality of the victory that Jesus brings about. Listen to the victory that is spoken of in verse 10 to 12. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death." The rule of Christ has been established. Salvation power, the kingdom of God, the authority has come through the person of Jesus Christ. The dragon, the accuser, has been defeated. He's a defeated throw, foe. He has been thrown down. Jesus, the offspring of the people of God, is victorious. The dragon has been waiting to devour him, but Christ is triumphant. Christ has conquered. It is this very reality that we celebrate at Christmas. Christ has come for His people. Christ has come to bring salvation to us. God has fulfilled His promises from Genesis 3 onward to bring about the offspring of Abraham to to be a blessing to all the world. The birth of Jesus was a cosmic event. It was a battle, a war that was waged in heaven, and Christ came and ascended victorious. These verses, verse number 10 especially, speaks about the freedom from sin that is found in Him alone, the forgiveness of sins that is found in Jesus alone. He alone is the victorious Savior. Salvation, power, kingdom of our God, and authority of Christ has come The accuser has been thrown down. As verse 12 states, he's still active. We see that. We know that. He knows that his time is short. He's still active, but the victory has been won through the death, burial, resurrection, through the advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So John here in this verse is speaking about that victory in just such a short way in verse number five says, Christ came, you got the dragon waiting to devour the child, and it did not happen. The child was caught up into heaven and is at the right hand of God Almighty. The Savior is victorious. It's a theme of victory. Fulfillment, opposition, victory, and lastly, we see the theme of Protection. In verse number six, protection. As we know, God's story doesn't end with the ascension of Jesus into heaven. God is still at work building his new covenant people. As communion teaches us, it is a new covenant in Jesus' blood. God is at work building his covenant community. And just as God is still at work, so also is the dragon still at work, Satan, the deceiver, the serpent. As verse 12 states, the devil knows that his time is short, and so he's at work seeking to destroy. And it's this reality that verse 6 speaks towards. It says in verse number 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. This is the same woman that has been being spoken of in the previous verses, verses 1 to 5. Uh, It's not of Mary, again, primarily, although she belongs to it, but it is the people of God. Here, the woman, God's covenant community, we could say, fled into the wilderness after the birth of Jesus, and God had prepared a place for her. The text says she'll be nourished for 1,260 days. And you think, well, uh uh-oh, we're past that time uh, when Christ uh, first came and He ascended back to heaven. It's been a little longer than 1,260 days, so I guess we're on our own. Well, if we were walking through this book, we would know that this number isn't arbitrary. It's not speaking about 1,260 days, period, period. But it goes along with the events described in chapter 11, verse number 3, chapter 12, verse 14, and chapter 13, verse number 5, where we have to get into a little bit of math, which always makes me nervous, but don't worry, I got out a calculator. Same time frame, three and a half years, 1,260 days, or 42 months. And you see those same uh, different variations of time, same amount of time, but different variations spoken of in these chapters. And this time is referring to the tribulation, the time of temptations, the time of difficulties. We could say the time from Jesus' ascension till His second coming. Okay, so the point being made here is don't fear. God is still watching out for His people in this time frame with which we are still a part of. John is saying that the woman has a place prepared by God in the wilderness, and the woman will be nourished for this time. The imagery being described here is of God providing and caring for His covenant community. God cares and provides for His people. We could say that His church, His people, everyone who believes in Jesus, God cares and provides for them. Just as verse 7 to 12 spoke about verse number 5 and expanded it, so also 13 to 17 expand and speak more about verse number 6. Look at how verse number 6 is described in 13 and following. It says, And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth and he pursued the woman, excuse me, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. There's our uh, three and a half uh, years, 42 months, 1,260 days concept. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. There's the opposition theme of the serpent against the people of God. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured out from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The dragon seeks to devour the woman now, but the woman is given wings like the eagle, To fly into the wilderness to be nourished for a time, time, half a time, three and a half years. Again, this is the time period between the two comings of Jesus that we are living in right now. The serpent, it says, pours water out of his mouth. It's speaking there again of the opposition, figurative for the weapons of the dragon, the serpent, to destroy the church. See, the serpent is a deceiver calls God's word into question, is full of lies, has done it, will do it, and will continue to do it. He seeks to pull people away from God, to to set a trap, to take them away, to grab them. But again, we see the dragon is not successful in his adventures, Because God provided provision and protection for the woman, for His people. So, verse 13 to 17 are expounding upon this reality first described in verse number 6. The fleeing into the wilderness is full of Old Testament imagery. Israel fled from Egypt into the wilderness. And what did God do for them in the wilderness? He provided for them every single day. And twice on Saturday, he provided for his people. Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 19 fled into the wilderness where God cared for him. This concept of the wilderness, God even called up a raven to bring him food, provide for him in the wilderness. And it's not that the wilderness is a safe place per se, The wilderness is not what protects us. Rather, God gives us divine protection while we are in the wilderness. That's the picture John is speaking to here. And it's so drastically important for us to realize that the nature of God's protection is not physical, but spiritual. It is so drastically important for us to realize that the nature of God's protection is not Physical, but spiritual. God does not keep His followers from physical pain and suffering and sickness. Some people sell that bad stuff, right? Some people sell that come to believe in God in your life will be this, it will be that, it will be great. That's why you hear us rail against that so much because it's probably, it's just the antithesis. It's the opposite of what Jesus said. God will see us through trouble. He doesn't take us out of trouble. He promises to see us through it and be with us in it. We're in the wilderness. God promises to bring safely across the Jordan What God does promise is is not keeping us from physical pain, from suffering, all of those things, but what God does promise is to keep us in His hand and to bring us safely home, to be with us in pain and suffering, to see us through the waters of death. God provides for His people in the wilderness. This is a type of protection that King David talked about. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll walk through it, God doesn't take me out of it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, why? "'For you are with me. "'Your rod and your staff, they comfort me.'" It's going through the valley of the shadow of death, yet God protects, not against death. His protection is spiritual. "'You prepare a table before me "'in the presence of my enemies. "'You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. "'Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me "'all the days of my life.'" and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is our comfort. That is our hope. That is the protection that Christ provides us in the wilderness, watching over His people, His church. He feeds them. He nourishes them. He provides for them. The same verb in chapter 12, verse number 6, is used in John 14, verse 2, to speak about Jesus going to prepare a place for us. Speaking about heaven, going to prepare a place, and what an amazing place that will be. That same word and verb is used about Him preparing a place for us even here now in this world. She has a place prepared by God, meaning God will provide We could go on and on with biblical examples, but the point that is being driven home is that God protects and provides for the woman. God protects and provides for His people. This world is a wilderness. The dragon is loose. He's on a chain, but he's loose the wilderness is dangerous. The serpent is after us, but God will provide for us. He will see us safely home. The imagery of Revelation and the imagery of Revelation chapter 12 maybe uh, is, is just different. It's not a Pauline epistle. It's, it's not uh, something that Matthew is writing in the gospel. It's, it's, it's full of these symbols… It's it's stylistic, but the truth and the reality is the same and that it is pointing us to, that Christ is victorious. It's pointing us to the message of the incarnation, the virgin conception, the birth of the Savior. It's multifaceted. There's much going on. There's much for us to learn. But here in Revelation chapter 12, we see a picture of this apocalyptic advent, this cosmic warfare. God is faithful to always keep his word. He promised to bring about the Savior, and he was born. He promised to return again, and he will. The dragon is a defeated foe, And a dangerous foe, he prowls around seeking to devour and oppose. But Jesus has won the victory through his coming and through his ascension. Salvation has come. Our king is born. Satan has been thrown down and defeated And God will protect his people. God will protect his church. He will finish and complete what he has started in us. As we praise God for sending the babe born in a manger, we also praise him for what his apocalyptic advent brought about. Victory. Protection. God's presence and provision to his people. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the truth and the reality of your word. Father, thank you for the things that your word reveals to us in Revelation chapter 12. Lord, you are victorious. The devil is defeated You are faithful. You provide for your people. Lord, would you help us, help us as your people, to be encouraged by Jesus' provision for us in the wilderness, in this world, wherever we are today. The things that we struggle with, the things that we face the fears that we have, the doubts that we have, unmet expectations that we have. Lord, help each of us to turn and come to you for provision, knowing that you will provide, you will feed, you will protect, and you will see us safely home. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen.